Welcome to 100 Years of America's National Park Service. Preserve, enjoy, inspire. This exhibit consists of approximately 50 photographs, one glass case with artifacts, one video, and one slideshow. This audio description program covers the front half of this exhibit hall. Another audio description station located near the far end of this wall covers the rest of the exhibit. The exhibit is arranged geographically with photographs of parks in a given region grouped together. This audio description program is broken into the following sections. Overview, Northeast, Southeast, Southwest, and Artifact Case. At any time during the program, you may skip to the next section by pressing the button on the device. This exhibition is housed in a gallery that is 70 feet long and 30 feet wide, with open doorways at either end. The ceiling is 14 feet high. The lower 10 feet of the walls are painted green, and the upper part is blue. In the center of the gallery is a kiosk with artifacts. Extending toward the back of the gallery from the kiosk is a freestanding wall 14 feet long. Photographs are mounted along all of the walls. Most of the photos are between a foot and a half and two feet in size. Some are four foot long horizontal images, and a few are large wall-size murals. Overview, three and three-quarter minutes. This audio description station is located at the corner of a 20-foot wall section that extends six feet out from the main wall on this side. An introductory panel is on the short wall around the corner from the station. If you turn your back to the station, the wall to your right, next to the entrance, has a large mural and a wall-mounted monitor that displays a continuously running slideshow. There is separate audio description for the slideshow available from a handset mounted next to the monitor. The wall opposite you has photographs from the northeast and southeast regions arranged right to left. The wall here next to the station covers the southwest region. The introductory panel around the corner is tall and thin, 18 inches wide and 8 feet tall. It shows rafters on the Merced River at Yosemite National Park. The flat rock face of Half Dome is in the background rising over mixed conifer trees. There are four bright green inflatable rafts in the foreground. Small figures of people in them wear orange life vests and wield yellow paddles. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 2013. High on the wall to your right, next to the entrance, is a quote in white lettering which reads, There is nothing so American as our national parks. President Franklin D. Roosevelt, 1934. In the middle of the wall is a 55-inch flat-screen monitor which shows a 10-minute slideshow of photographs taken by NPS visitors and submitted to the Centennial Project Contest. To the right of the monitor is a graphic panel which reads, 100 Years of America's National Park Service. America's national park system belongs to everyone. Our parks, including historic sites, battlefields, lakeshores and seashores, trails, monuments, preserves, and many other special places, tell the stories and preserve the places that define our culture and what we value. Established by Congress in 1916, the National Park Service has worked to conserve the natural and cultural resources of our nation's parks, all while providing park visitors with unforgettable experiences. Taking care of our parks shapes our values as a nation and expands our understanding of how our actions today will shape our future. Smithsonian museums and parks work together. 
Prior to 1916, researchers from the Smithsonian Institution collected artifacts and specimens on lands that later became part of the national park system. Some of those collections were instrumental to the protection and inclusion of these areas into the park system. Today, the National Park Service and the Smithsonian Institution work together to build scientific collections and expand research that informs our knowledge of biodiversity, evolution, climate change, cultures, and ecosystems. The left end of this wall is covered with a 10-foot square mural of the dining room at Hampton Mansion from the Hampton National Historic Site in Maryland. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 2008. The photograph shows a formal dining room with blue walls, dark blue crown molding, and a red and blue patterned carpet. The long table stretches away from us, covered with full place settings. The caption reads, Commemorating major phases of American social, cultural, and economic history across seven generations of one family and their large and diverse labor force. The site includes a Georgian mansion, gardens and grounds, and stone slave quarters. Below the text is a small photograph of the north facade of the Hampton Mansion, built 1783 to 1790, located at Hampton National Historic Site. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 2008. Northeast, five and a half minutes. The right-hand side of the wall on the opposite side of the gallery has seven photographs from the Northeast region, from New England down to Virginia. High on the center of the wall is a quote in white lettering which reads, Memories of our lives, of our works, and our deeds will continue in others. Rosa L. Parks, 1988. The first photograph on the right end is of the old house at Peacefield, Adams National Historical Park, Massachusetts. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 1980-2006. Peacefield was home to four generations of the Adams family from 1787 to 1927, including Presidents John Adams and John Quincy Adams. The photograph shows a corner view of a two-story house with gabled windows set in the steep shingled roof. The brick house is painted gray. The numerous many-paned windows have black shutters. Green ivy covers the chimney on the end closest to us. The lawn in front of us is closely clipped and a large bed of brightly colored flowers lies on the left. The next photo to the left is of the Statue of Liberty Restoration, Statue of Liberty National Monument in New York. Photograph by Jack Beauchet, NPS, 1984. We see a close-up view of the head and raised torch of the Statue of Liberty taken from the statue's left side. Metal scaffolding surrounds the torch arm and the far side. Caption reads, Many scientific organizations assisted the National Park Service and Statue of Liberty Ellis Island Foundation to complete the 1986 restoration. The third photograph is of fireworks on the National Mall, National Mall and Memorial Parks, District of Columbia. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 2008. The photograph shows a huge burst of white and red fireworks over the mall. Towards the bottom of the photo is a foreshortened view of the length of the mall with fireworks reflected in the water in the foreground. The Lincoln Memorial is located just beyond the water, with the Washington Monument and the Capitol Building visible behind it. The caption reads, from the Lincoln Memorial, the Washington Monument, the Capitol Grounds, and boats on the Potomac, visitors enjoy the fireworks on July 4th. By contrast, visitors to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial seek solace from the wall that heals. Underneath the text is a small photograph of Memorial Day at the Vietnam Veterans Memorial, National Mall and Memorial Parks, photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 2006. The next four photographs are grouped together. 
In the upper right corner is a picture of the library, Cedar Hill, home of Frederick Douglass, at Frederick Douglass National Historic Site, District of Columbia. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 1980-2006. The photograph shows an alcove in a room with flower-covered wallpaper and a patterned carpet in green and tan. A glass-fronted bookcase lines the right-hand wall, and an iron-wood stove is on the left wall. An old desk sits in the middle, doors down either side, and small cubby holes along the back. A large leather armchair sits in front of the desk. The caption reads, In his journey from captive slave to internationally renowned activist, abolitionist, civil rights advocate, and statesman, Frederick Douglass, 1818-1895, changed how Americans thought about race, slavery, and American democracy. Underneath the text, a small photograph shows Cedar Hill at Frederick Douglass National Historic Site. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 1980-2006. The photograph below shows a detail from President Lincoln's coat at Ford's Theater National Historic Site, District of Columbia. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 2007. The picture shows heavily embroidered gray silk. In the middle is an eagle with outstretched wings. Two banners flow from his talons, reading, One Country, One Destiny. The caption reads, President Abraham Lincoln wore this great coat with one country, one destiny stitched in the lining when he attended Ford's Theater and was assassinated while in the presidential box on April 15, 1865. Underneath the text, a small photo shows the balcony and presidential box at Ford's Theater National Historic Site. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 1990-2000. The photograph in the upper left of this grouping is a view above New River Gorge National River in West Virginia. Photo by Gary Hartley, NPS, 2007. In the lower left of the picture, a man in a park uniform with a green ball cap and wearing leather gloves stands at the edge of a rocky cliff, green woods behind him and filling the gorge below. He has just released a peregrine falcon seen in full flight in the middle of the picture. The caption reads, A wildlife biologist attaches a satellite tracking unit and releases a juvenile peregrine falcon. In an effort to restore nesting falcons to the New River Gorge, 122 young falcons were released between 2006 and 2011. Underneath the text, a small photo shows the New River Gorge at New River Gorge National River. Photo by Robert H. Clark, NPS, 2015. Below that, the last photograph in this section shows the portico at Arlington House, the Robert E. Lee Memorial in Virginia. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 1980-2006. The photograph shows a corner view of the covered portico, its plain pediment supported in front by six huge columns. Four stone steps lead up to the porch on three sides. The caption reads, General Lee and his wife raised their family here. The memorial honors Lee's military and public leadership before and after the Civil War. Southeast, seven minutes. The left-hand side of this wall has nine photographs from the southeast region, from North Carolina to Louisiana, and including the Virgin Islands. This section begins in the middle of the wall with a large photograph, four feet wide and 20 inches high, of the Roaring Fork in Great Smoky Mountains National Park, North Carolina and Tennessee, photo by Stan Jorstadt, 2002. In the photograph, we look up a boulder-filled stream in the deep woods rhododendron bushes overhanging the moss-covered stones. Frothy white water flows over rocks between still pools. The caption reads, World-renowned for its biological diversity, the park has documented over 19,000 species. Scientists predict an additional 30,000 to 80,000 may yet be identified. 
Through an ongoing all-taxa biodiversity inventory, scientists, including Smithsonian biologists, have contributed to a better understanding of the park's moths, beaches, oaks, birds, and beetles. To the left of that are two photographs. The upper one is of a bright yellow Piper J3 cub at Moton Field, Tuskegee Airmen National Historic Site, Alabama. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 2010. The small, single-engine plane sits in a large building with exposed rafters overhead and graphic exhibits visible behind it along one wall. The caption reads, African-American pilot candidates were trained in this airplane in Moton Field during World War II. They were the first African-American pilots to enter the Army Air Corps. Underneath that is a photograph of the Edmund Pettus Bridge, Selma to Montgomery National Historic Trail in Alabama. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith. 2010, taken on the 45th anniversary of the march. Seen from the middle of the roadway, the twin arches of the iron structure curve away from us, with the name of the bridge in bold black letters across the piece over our heads. The buildings of Selma can be seen in the background, as can a large crowd of people moving across the bridge away from us. The caption reads, After being stopped at Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma during two previous attempts, Civil rights marchers walked under court protection from Selma to Montgomery. The president signed the Voting Rights Act of 1965 less than five months later. The next photograph is titled, Floating Through the Congaree Wilderness, Congaree National Park, South Carolina. Photograph by Christopher Somolovsky, 2011. The picture looks up a perfectly still river, its mirror-like surface reflecting the bright green of the thick forest trees on either side. The caption reads, A majority of the park is designated Congaree River Swamp National Natural Landmark in recognition of the extensive bottomland hardwood forest complex, which floods intermittently. Next along the wall are two stacked photographs. The one on top is of Civil War earthworks, cannon, and Michigan Monument at Vicksburg National Military Park, Mississippi. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 1980-2006. The photo shows two cannons pointing to the right. They sit behind a low, grass-covered earth berm, maybe three feet high, which surrounds them on the front and both sides. Behind the cannons, on a low hill, is a tall, white obelisk. The caption reads, Vicksburg was key to control of the Mississippi River and the South during the Civil War. The Union's victory here in July 1863, after a 47-day siege, was a critical turning point. A separate label reads, Smithsonian physical anthropologists are sometimes called upon to work with National Park Service researchers to locate and identify military remains discovered on battlefields in unmarked graves and surgeon pits. These investigations help memorialize the dead and document the human cost of the Civil War. Underneath that is a photograph of the carpenter shop at Oakland Plantation, Cane River Creole National Historical Park, Louisiana. Photo by Jack Bochet, NPS, 2001. The picture shows a small, one-room building made of unfinished wood planking. Its peaked roof is covered with rusty metal. A small window on the side has an open wooden shutter. Across the front, a slanting roof section supported by corner posts shelters the doorway. Other wooden buildings can be seen behind it. The caption reads, the complexity, integrity, and completeness of the park's remaining historic structures illustrate Creole resilience, resourcefulness, and adaptations to the environment. Notice the half-dovetail joints. 
To the left of these is another four-foot-long photograph, this one of Hawks Nest Bay at Virgin Islands National Park, Virgin Islands. Photo by Stan Jorstadt, 1996. The picture shows a portion of a white sandy beach in the lower left with a wide expanse of pale turquoise water to the right. In the water are patches of tan and brown. In the upper left, our view is cut off by vegetation that reaches almost to the water's edge. Straight ahead in the distance, a low hill extends out into the water. The sky is dark with puffy clouds. The caption reads, This park has rich marine and terrestrial ecosystems and a cultural history covering at least 3,000 years. It is an international biosphere reserve. At the end of this section are two more stacked photographs. The one on top is titled, Viewing Coral Reefs and Marine Life, Dry Tortugas National Park, Florida. Photo by Brett Seymour, NPS, 2014. The underwater shot is taken in shallow water. The bottom is filled with coral, tubular, fan-shaped, and bulbous. The colors range from olive green to violet. Two people in snorkel gear float above, one adult and one child. Both wear black, long-sleeved t-shirts with National Park Service written on them. They are pointing to something in the coral below them. The caption reads, A junior ranger joins staff from the National Park Service's Underwater Explorer Junior Ranger Program to explore the healthy corals of Little Africa, a pristine reef. The last photograph in this section shows an anchor from a shipwreck in Biscayne National Park, Florida. Photo by Susanna Pershin, NPS, 2013. The picture shows a huge anchor lying on the seabed, looking like a giant arrow pointing to the lower left. It is covered in pale barnacles, almost blending in with the white sandy bottom. Above it hovers a scuba diver writing on a tablet with a stylus. The caption reads, A National Park Service archaeologist documents the discovery of an anchor from the 18th century British warship HMS Foy. Southwest, five and a half minutes. On this wall next to the audio description station are seven photographs from the southwest region. Beginning at the left are two photographs, one above the other. The one on top is of Mission Concepcion at San Antonio Missions National Historical Park in Texas. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 2014. The picture shows a gray stone building with two tall, square bell towers at each front corner. In the center of the front, gray double doors are capped by a triangular pediment with a small round window above it. A lower domed roof can be seen towards the rear. Crosses mounted on cupolas sit on the dome and on both bell towers. The caption reads, Four Franciscan Catholic mission complexes in the park illustrate Spain's efforts to colonize, evangelize, and defend the northern frontier of New Spain in the 1700s. Below that is a photograph of Dahl's Theater, Big Room Trail, Carlsbad Cavern, Carlsbad Caverns National Park, New Mexico. Photo by Peter Jones, NPS, 2003. The picture shows a half-dome-shaped opening in the white rock. A light from the right illuminates hundreds of icicle-like stalactites hanging from the roof, many extending in columns all the way to the floor. The surfaces are rough, looking like frozen froth. The caption reads, Beneath the desert landscape, more than 119 caves, including Carlsbad Cavern, formed when mild sulfuric acid dissolved fractures in the limestone. To the right of these are two large, four-foot-long photographs. The one on top is of the Rio Grande in Big Bend National Park, Texas. Photo by Stan Jorstadt, 1995.
In the picture, we look down on the slow-moving river as it curves away from us to the right. Its left bank is flat, desert-brush-covered land, with mountains visible in the far distance. On the right bank, steep bluffs rise. The caption reads, Big Bend is famous for its geology, varied habitats, and species diversity, including more types of birds, bats, and cacti than any other U.S. national park. Another label reads, Emory Peak in Big Bend National Park is one of the northernmost roosts of the endangered Mexican long-nosed bat, Leptonicturus nivalis. Smithsonian mammologists provided information essential for conserving and managing these bat populations. Below that is a photograph of Spruce Tree House at Mesa Verde National Park, Colorado. Photo by Stan Jorstadt, 1995. The picture looks down across a tree-filled gorge to the opposite cliff face. In a large cavity in the sandy-colored cliff are many tightly packed stone structures, some with only partial walls, others intact with window and door openings. The caption reads, on Mesa Verde, home to ancestral Pueblo people from A.D. 575 to 1300, archaeologists have inventoried nearly 5,000 sites, including 600 cliff dwellings. Another label reads, In 1896, Smithsonian archaeologist Jesse Walter Fuchs called for government protection of ancient cultural sites to prevent further vandalism and ensure professional scientific excavation. During several summers from 1908 through 1922, he focused on the excavation and repair of large cliff dwellings and mesa-top sites in Mesa Verde National Park, which had been established in 1906. Next to the right is a photograph of Desert View Watchtower, Grand Canyon National Park, Arizona, photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 1980-2006. The picture shows the remains of a round stone tower perched on the edge of a cliff. Far below to the left is the narrow ribbon of the river winding its way through the steep sides of the canyon, the walls with colored layers of tan, brown, and red. The caption reads, Inspired by ancestral Pueblan architecture, this 1932 tower overlooks the Grand Canyon of the Colorado River, a World Heritage Site. At the right end of this section are two more stacked photos. The top one shows the Milky Way seen through the north window in Arches National Park, Utah. Photo by Jacob W. Frank, NPS, 2013. The picture shows a black silhouette of the rock with an almond-shaped opening. A tiny figure of a man with a tall tripod stands at the bottom of the opening. Another figure sits on a rock to the right. The night sky behind is filled with stars, like a heavy sprinkling of salt. The white clouds of the Milky Way extend vertically behind the arch. The caption reads, One of over 2,000 natural stone arches in this red rock wonderland, North Window frames the awe-inspiring night sky. Below that, the last photograph in this section is of the Subway, a slot canyon in Zion National Park, Utah. Photo by Robert H. Clark, NPS, 2014. The picture shows a passage hollowed out at the base of steep rock walls above. Light from an opening around the corner to the right lights the rounded wall ahead. In the lower right of the picture, a pool of turquoise water spills over the red rock floor to the left. The caption reads, People have inhabited Zion for nearly 12,000 years, subsisting on high plateaus and traveling sandstone canyon mazes for water and food. Remote canyon access requires advance permit. Artifact Kiosk, 7 Minutes Standing in the middle of the room is a kiosk with a glass case that holds several artifacts. The display is oriented to face the front entrance. 
The base is about 3 feet square and has slanted graphic panels attached to three sides at a height of 27 inches. A glass case, 3 foot tall, sits on top of the base. There's a touchable model of a dire wolf skull on the panel on the right side. Text on the front panel reads, The Smithsonian Museum and the National Park Service, in partnership to study the planet, its plants, and animals. The Smithsonian's National Museum of Natural History has long conducted research and collected artifacts and specimens on lands that would eventually become part of the national park system. Some of those collections were instrumental to the protection and inclusion of these areas into the national park system. Here are a few of the many items housed in the museum's collections. At the back of the case is a picture of the thermal features from Yellowstone National Park. The foreground is filled with pools of water on a flat landscape, steam rising. A board walkway extends from a platform at the center rear to the left and right on either side of the pools. Tiny figures of five people can be seen standing on the platform. The caption reads, Early Surveys of Yellowstone National Park. In 1871, geologist Ferdinand Hayden led a team of scientists, photographers, and artists on one of the first federally funded surveys of the American West. They sent specimens back to the Smithsonian, and their findings influenced the debate in Congress that led to the establishment of Yellowstone National Park in 1872. On a platform towards the back of the case are two rock samples. The one on the left is gray in color, almost rectangular in shape, with flat planes. The label reads, Geyserite, accession number 28081, Hayden Expedition, Upper Geyser Basin, Yellowstone National Park. The one on the right is red, with a rough surface. Shiny black chunks are embedded in it. The label reads, Hyalo Liparite Obsidian, accession number 10570, Hayden Expedition, Obsidian Canyon, Yellowstone National Park. More text reads, Volcanic specimens, such as these, along with survey reports that the land wasn't suitable for agriculture, mining, or settlement, convinced Congress to pass legislation to create Yellowstone, America's first national park. More text reads, The most thoroughly studied island in North America. Along the Potomac River, not far from the nation's capital, a quiet 12-acre wooded island holds that distinction. Since 1901, Plummer's Island has been the research site for the Washington Biologists Field Club, WBFC, an organization of wildlife biologists, ornithologists, and entomologists. Their goal has been to study and preserve the island's undisturbed flora and fauna. To preserve the island, Congress transferred it to the National Park Service in 1961. The MPS has collaborated with the WBFC and the Smithsonian to study and catalog every plant and animal species on the island. There are two photographs. One shows a sign attached to a triple tree trunk, which identifies the island as part of the National Park Service. The other one looks across brown-colored water at a wooded shoreline. A person in a red canoe floats by. There is also a small case with an assortment of Plumber's Island insects from the Department of Entomology, National Museum of Natural History. The label reads, More than 3,000 different insect species have been collected and identified from the island. This astonishing diversity includes important pollinators, such as the over 200 bee species documented by scientists from the National Museum of Natural History throughout the past 100 years. More text reads, Caves Preserve the Past. Between 25,000 and 18,000 years ago, towards the end of the last ice age, some now extinct mammals fell to their deaths through a deep pit entrance into what is now Musk Ox Cave. The animals discovered by paleontologists in this natural trap include the extinct shrub ox, American cheetah, and this dire wolf. 
The cave is now part of Carlsbad Caverns National Park in New Mexico. In an enclosed case is a skull and lower jaw. A ruler in the case shows the skull to be 12 inches long. The label reads, This dire wolf skull and jaw, which were collected by Lloyd E. Logan in 1976 for the NMNH's Division of Paleobiology, are part of a collection of fossil material discovered in Musk Ox Cave. Canis dyrus lydi, Pleistocene, USNM 618337, collected 1976, Musk Ox Cave, C33, Carlsbad Caverns National Park, New Mexico. Mounted on the panel on the right, outside of the case, is a touchable model of this skull and jaw, along with labels in Braille. In the case is an earthenware jar, identified as Ancestral Pueblo from the southern Colorado Plateau, Anasasi, A.D. 850-1150. The light gray pot is round with a wide opening on top, surrounded by a flared lip. A design outlined in black circles the pot, a broad zigzag with extensions on each point. The outline is filled with thin black parallel lines. Another text panel reads, Chaco Canyon Ceramics. In 1849, the U.S. Army surveyed and mapped the multi-storied structures left by the ancestral Pueblans in Chaco Canyon. Their civilization had flourished from A.D. 850 to 1150 and then disappeared. Little is known about these people, but the objects they left behind provide clues about their culture. In 1906, to preserve places like Chaco Canyon, Congress passed the Antiquities Act, and Chaco Canyon was designated a national monument in 1907 by President Theodore Roosevelt. Today, the park works with descendant Native American communities to understand and preserve this unique culture. In the 1920s, under an Antiquities Act permit, Smithsonian archaeologist Neil M. Judd carried out extensive and carefully documented excavation of two of the great houses in Chaco Canyon National Monument, providing a detailed picture of the way of life of this Native American society. Final text reads, Cataloging the Natural World 20th century Smithsonian botanist F. Raymond Fosberg was a tireless advocate for environmental conservation. Collaborating with other botanists and NPS naturalists, he collected extensively in Shenandoah National Park to compile a comprehensive list of botanical species. Most of his specimens, like this herbarium sheet, are part of the museum's collection. The sheet has a dried plant specimen. A central stalk has many small branches covered with small round leaves and tiny dried flowers. The label reads, Symphoricarpus obiculatus mench, family Caprifoliaceae, common name Coralberry. Accession number 2685685. To hear the audio description for the other half of the exhibit, proceed to the other station mounted on the far end of this wall. End of description. Welcome to 100 Years of America's National Park Service. Preserve. Enjoy. Inspire. This exhibit consists of approximately 50 photographs, one glass case with artifacts, one video, and one slideshow. This audio description program covers the back half of the exhibit hall. Another audio description station, located at the far end of this wall, covers the rest of the exhibit. The exhibit is arranged geographically, with photographs of parks in a given region grouped together. This audio description program is broken into the following sections. Overview, Hawaii, Pacific West, Alaska, Midwest, Intermountain, NPS map, and entry in credit panels. At any time during the program, you may skip to the next section by pressing the button on the device. This exhibition is housed in a gallery that is 70 feet long and 30 feet wide, 
with open doorways at either end. The ceiling is 14 feet high. The lower 10 feet of the walls are painted green, and the upper part is blue. In the center of the gallery is a kiosk with artifacts. Extending towards the back of the gallery from the kiosk is a freestanding wall, 14 feet long. Photographs are mounted along all of the walls. Most of the photos are between a foot and a half and two feet in size. Some are four-foot-long horizontal images, and a few are large, wall-size murals. Overview. One minute. This audio description station is located along the wall eight feet from the entrance to the gallery. If you turn your back to this station, the wall to your immediate left, on the left side of the entrance, covers Hawaii. The wall behind with the station on it has photographs from the Pacific West region. On this side of the freestanding wall in the middle of the room are photographs from Alaska. On the far side of that wall are photographs from the Midwest. The wall opposite you has photographs from the Intermountain region. On the left-hand wall on the other side of the entrance is a large map showing the location of all the National Park Service sites as well as a video monitor that shows several short videos. There is separate audio description for the videos available from a handset mounted next to the monitor. Outside the entrance as you face the gallery, there is a panel to the right listing the photographers. On the left side, there is a large mural and welcome panel. Hawaii, two and a half minutes. The left-hand side of the entrance has three photographs from Hawaii, a four-foot-long photograph underneath with two smaller ones above it. The photograph in the upper left shows Pu'u'o'o eruption of Kilauea Volcano, Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, Hawaii. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 2005. The picture shows an aerial view of a dark gray landscape. The foreground is filled with a crater, the low rim almost circular. Inside the crater are six smaller openings, each with white plumes rising and trailing off to the right. The caption reads, Sea to Summit. This active volcanic landscape supports seven life zones. It is a World Heritage Site and an International Biosphere Reserve. Park management incorporates native Hawaiian land stewardship values. The picture in the upper right is of Puhuhono, Place of Refuge, Puhuhono Ohonono National Historical Park, Hawaii. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 2005. The picture shows a tall structure, walls and roof covered with palm frond thatching. The structure sits surrounded by a log palisade on a sandy promontory, edged with black boulders. There are tall, carved wooden columns, one grouping near the structure, with others dotted on the sand outside the palisades and along the water's edge. The caption reads, Enclosed by the Great Wall, the Pu'uhono was a sanctuary in ancient times for defeated warriors, non-combatants, and those who violated the Kapu, sacred laws. A long photograph at the bottom of this grouping shows Haleakala Crater, viewed from Kionehehe Sliding Sands Trail, Haleakala National Park, Hawaii. Photo by Stan Jorstadt, 1995. The picture shows an otherworldly landscape, the foreground covered with brown, rocky soil. Immediately behind that is a spur of red-brown earth from right to left, backed with a rough, jagged landscape in tan. In the background, a low mountainous ridge rises backed by a blue horizon, dotted with puffy white clouds. The caption reads, Haleakala Crater contains a diversity of high-elevation ecosystems, from the dry, windswept cinder desert near the 10,023-foot, or 3,055-meter, summit to moist rainforest. Another small sign reads, 
Award-winning research by Smithsonian botanists led to federal protection for an endangered species of carnation, the rare and poorly known Shidea haleaka lensis, found only on cliffs in one part of the park. Their work helped put the flower on the federal endangered list. Pacific West, five minutes. As you face the wall with this station, there is a large mural to your right, approximately eight feet square. To your immediate left, there is a series of five photographs. High on the center of the wall is a quote in white lettering which reads, There is a love of wild nature in everybody. John Muir, circa 1890. From left to right, the first four-foot-wide photograph shows Zabriskie Point, Death Valley National Park, California and Nevada, photo by Stan Jorsted, 1986. The picture shows a full moon rising over a barren landscape covered with eroded ridges in all directions. The caption reads, Diverse life thrives in the extremes of Death Valley. Summer heat contrasts with rainstorms, bringing wildflowers, oases with tiny fish, and winter snowy peaks. Another sign reads, In 1891, an expedition led by Smithsonian botanists collected and surveyed the geographic locations of plants across Death Valley, long before it became part of the National Park System in 1933. The botanists developed a system of identifying floral zones to describe plant distribution and thereby influenced future management. Specimens and data collected continue to be used today by park and other research botanists. The next photograph is of Chavez Home, La Paz, Cesar E. Chavez National Monument, California, photographed by Monica Parra, National Chavez Center, 2014. The picture shows a plain, white frame building with a gray shingled roof. There is a door at either end of the building. The windows are edged in green. One large group of three windows together at the left end and two smaller ones flanking the right-hand door. A sidewalk of square paving stones runs along the front. The caption reads, Led by César E. Chavez and others, the farm worker movement succeeded in greatly improving working and living conditions and wages. La Paz was the movement's headquarters, 1971 to 1984. Underneath the text is a smaller photograph of the Villa La Paz Conference and Education Center, operated by National Chavez Center, César E. Chavez National Monument. Photo by Monica Parra, National Chavez Center, 2015. To the right of that is another four-foot-long photograph, this one of South Dome, North Dome, and Half Dome from Glacier Point, Yosemite National Park, California. Photo by Stan Jorsted, 1996. The picture shows a view down into Yosemite Valley with the bare rock mountains on either side, the flat face of Half Dome to the right, and the other rounded peaks to the left. Conifers can be seen in the foreground, with one tall fir tree rising up in the middle of the picture. The caption reads, First protected in 1864, Yosemite is known for its waterfalls, valleys carved by glaciers, granite domes, grand meadows, and giant sequoias. Next are two of the smaller photographs to the immediate left of this audio station, one above the other. The one on top is of the steam tug Hercules, San Francisco Maritime National Historical Park, California. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 1980-2006. The picture shows a sleek tugboat, bow near the lower left, with a stern out in the water to the right. The hull is black, with the name Hercules in creamy yellow. The superstructure is a dark red. A red smokestack with a black top rises in the middle. 
On the left side of the photo, a long suspension bridge can be seen in the distance. The caption reads, Built for ocean towing, this 1907 steam-powered tug towed sailing ships, disabled vessels, barges, and equipment for a Pearl Harbor dry dock and a Panama Canal lock. The Golden Gate Bridge and Golden Gate National Recreation Area are in the background. The bottom photograph is of Coast Redwoods, Redwood National and State Parks, California. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 2012. The picture shows the view, looking straight up between two straight tree trunks, green foliage visible high up. More trunks and foliage are visible on either side. The caption reads, The Coast Redwoods, Sequoia Sempervirens, are the tallest trees on Earth, but they are just one species in the park's highly varied ecosystem. The mural to your right shows the Quinault Rainforest, Olympic National Park, Washington. Photo by Stan Jorstead, 1995. The picture shows the base of several large trees in a thick forest, their large roots splayed over the uneven ground. Ferns and mosses cover the foreground. The caption reads, This park protects one of the largest remaining blocks of old-growth forest and temperate rainforest in the lower 48 states. Alaska, four and one-quarter minutes. On the wall in the middle of the gallery, facing this way, are five photographs from Alaska. Two of the longer, four-foot-wide photos on either end, and a column of three smaller photos in the middle. From the left, the first four-foot-wide photograph shows the north and south peaks of Denali, Denali National Park and Preserve, Alaska. Photo by Stan Jorstad, 1989. The picture shows a snow-covered mountain range rising above the clouds. A tall, broad mountain top rises on the right side of the picture, with one sharp peak on the right and a more rounded, slightly lower peak on the left. The caption reads, Surrounding Denali, North America's tallest peak at 20,310 feet, or 6,190 meters, clouds shroud wild alpine tundra and taiga forest ecosystems, which have been home to Alaska natives for over 13,000 years. The top photograph in the middle column is of brown bears salmon fishing, Brooks Falls, Katmai National Park and Preserve, Alaska. Photo by Roy Wood, NPS, 2008. The picture shows a wide, short waterfall with trees in the background. About 16 large, brown-colored bears are in the river, three perched right at the edge of the waterfall, others in the water below. The caption reads, Originally established to preserve the volcanic landscape, the park mandate now includes protecting fish and wildlife, including high concentrations of brown bears and their dinning areas, and the habitat vital to sockeye salmon spawning. Below the text, a smaller photo shows a brown bear with a catch. Brooks Falls, Katmai National Park and Preserve, photo by Roy Wood, NPS, 2009. The middle photograph in the column of three shows a researcher counting seals. Johns Hopkins Inlet, Glacier Bay National Park and Preserve, Alaska. Photo by Jamie N. Womble, NPS, 2007. In the picture, a woman sits on a grass and mud-covered bank looking through a monocular mounted on a tripod. Snow-covered mountain peaks are behind her and a bay filled with chunks of ice to the left. The caption reads, Glacial ice sites host the largest aggregation of seals in Glacier Bay. Long-term population monitoring and research are critical to understanding factors that influence seal populations in Glacier Bay. Underneath the text, a smaller photo shows harbor seals resting on glacial ice at McBride Inlet, Glacier Bay National Park and Preserve. 
Photo by Jamie N. Womble, NPS, 2007. The bottom photo is of the Kennecott Mines National Historic Landmark, Wrangell St. Elias National Park and Preserve, Alaska. Photo by Jet Lowe, NPS, 1985. The picture shows a mountain ridge rising on the left, the lower slopes green with vegetation, the upper part bare. Clinging to the slope is a group of red wood-framed buildings with white-trimmed windows. The building in the center has four very tall black smokestacks rising. The caption reads, Kennecott, including the mountain mines in the mill town, is the best remaining example of early 20th century copper mining. Wrangell St. Elias, America's largest park, acquired Kennecott in 1998. The last photograph, another four-foot-wide one, shows tundra wilderness in the valley of Gaidike Lake, Gates of the Arctic National Park and Preserve, Alaska. Photo by Stan Jorstadt, 1995. The foreground of the picture shows a vast plain covered with brown vegetation with patches of red and yellow flowers. A slope rises on the right and distant mountains are visible on the left, along with a couple of small lakes. The caption reads, While preserving the vast, wild, undeveloped character and environmental integrity of Alaska's Central Brooks Range, the park provides opportunities for wilderness recreation and traditional subsistence uses. More text reads, The Inupiaq community of the Inuktivuk Pass lives inside the park and has been a focus of scholarly research for over a century. The late Inupiaq scholar, Simon Paniak, shared his in-depth knowledge of the community's history and culture with Smithsonian archaeologists Dennis Stanford and ethno-historian Ernest S. Tiger Birch. Midwest, four minutes. On the far side of the wall in the middle of the gallery are five photographs from the Midwest region, two on either end and one in the middle. From the left, the top photograph is of the Gateway Arch and Old Courthouse, Jefferson National Expansion Memorial, Missouri. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 1980-2006. The picture shows the view westward across the Mississippi River with the arch standing tall on the far bank. Through the arch can be seen a broad expanse of a lush green lawn in front of a white building with columns across the front porch and a green-topped dome. Modern skyscrapers fill most of the background. A riverboat sits at the water's edge to the left of the arch. The caption reads, The Gateway Arch is a memorial to the westward expansion of the United States. When Dred Scott, a slave, sued for his freedom in 1846, the case was heard in the old courthouse. The bottom photograph is of a pitcher plant at Pinhoke Bog, Indiana Dunes National Lakeshore, Indiana. Photo by Joy Marburger, NPS 2004. The center of the picture is filled with a cluster of ten green pitcher plant tubes with red veins. Low, red-foliaged plants fill the rest of the photo. The caption reads, The carnivorous plant, Serencenia purpurea, traps and digests insects in a fluid-filled bulbous cavity formed from its leaves. It grows in peat-based wetlands and is common in Pinhoke Bog, a national natural landmark. The wide center photograph on this wall is of Blue Hen Falls, Cuyahoga Valley National Park, Ohio. Photo by Stan Jorstead, 2004. The picture looks up a stream formed by pools of water connected by small falls over rocky outcrops. The creek is surrounded by woods. Most of the trees have small straight trunks, with many smaller trees forming the undergrowth. Brown leaves cover the forest floor. The caption reads, This park has a mosaic of habitats. Riparian, riverside, deciduous forest, wetlands, cultivated agricultural lands, and older agricultural fields returning to a natural state. 
The top photo on the right is another wide one, this one titled Paleontologist's Paradise, Badlands National Park, South Dakota. Photo by Stan Jorstead, 1992. The picture shows a bare landscape filled with undulating ridges scored by erosion. The land is formed of horizontal layers in all shades of red, pink, and tan, some thick and some thin. The caption reads, These geologic deposits contain one of the world's richest fossil beds with such ancient mammals as the hornless rhino, the three-toed horse, and a cat-like saber-toothed animal. More text reads, The first fossils from White River Badlands scientifically collected and described in the 1840s were among the first fossils to become part of the museum's collections. The area's 35 to 30 million-year-old deposits inspired Spencer F. Baird, the first curator at the Smithsonian, to organize a successful expedition to the Badlands in 1850. The last photograph on this wall shows Mount Rushmore amid the Black Hills at Mount Rushmore National Memorial, South Dakota. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 2009. The picture shows an aerial view of the Rocky Mountain Top, its lower slope covered with dark green conifers. In the center are the huge carved bust of four presidents, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln. Distant mountains fill the background. The caption reads, Gutzon Bolglum began sculpting four presidents' heads in 1927 and adjusted his model as work on the mountain progressed. Commissioned with the purpose of attracting visitors to South Dakota, the sculpture symbolizes 150 years of United States history. Underneath the text, a smaller photo shows a model in 1939 Sculptor's Studio, Mount Rushmore National Memorial. Photo by Otto Bachman, NPS, 2015. Model catalog number Moru-1. Intermountain, four and a half minutes. The left-hand side of the wall on the opposite side of the gallery has photographs from the Intermountain region. There are two of the smaller photos, three of the horizontal four-foot photos, and a large eight-foot mural. The first photo on the leftmost end is of bristlecone pines in Great Basin National Park, Nevada. Photo by Stan Jorstead, 1995. The picture shows rocky ground sloping up to the right with a group of the pines. One trunk splitting into three branches fills the foreground. The trees have smooth, light-colored trunks with sparse foliage clustered here and there. The caption reads... In the shadow of 13,063-foot, or 3,982-meter, 3 Wheeler Peak, 5,000-year-old bristlecone pines survive in an environment other trees cannot tolerate. To the right are two smaller photographs, one on top of the other. The top one shows bison in Lower Geyser Basin in Yellowstone National Park, Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming. Photo by Jim Pico, MPS 2015. The picture shows a flat, icy area with mountain slopes rising in the background, covered with snow and dark green conifers. Three large bison move in a line from right to left. The caption reads, The world's first national park was established primarily for its extraordinary thermal features and other geologic wonders. It is the only place in the United States where bison have lived continuously since prehistoric times. The bottom photo is titled, Among the Bones, Dinosaur National Monument, Colorado and Utah. Photo by Dan Chiray, NPS 2014. The picture shows a gray rock face full of huge fossilized bones. Two men perch in the middle, taking measurements and making notes. The caption reads, The Carnegie Quarry, now protected within the quarry exhibit hall, has yielded over 11 different species, including dinosaurs such as Allosaurus, Diplodocus, and Stegosaurus as well as turtles, crocodiles, and lizards. 
Underneath the text is a small photograph of Cory Exhibit Hall, Dinosaur National Monument. Photo by Dan Chere, NPS, 2015. To the right of those pictures are two of the large four-foot photographs, one on top of the other. The one on top is of bare grass blooms near Going to the Sun Road in Glacier National Park, Montana. Photo by Stan Jorstad, 1996. The foreground of the picture is filled with a green meadow dotted with tall spikes of white flower clusters. Two sharp mountain peaks fill the background. The caption reads, Named for its glacier-carved terrain and remnant Ice Age glaciers, the park's varied climate and location at the headwaters of three ocean drainages fosters great species diversity. More text reads, Charles Walcott, geologist and secretary of the Smithsonian from 1907 to 1927, identified extensive stromatolite formations within the park. These ancient sedimentary fossils are one to one and a half billion years old and provide an early record of life on Earth. The bottom photograph is a Voxbow Bend, Snake River, Grand Teton National Park, Wyoming. Photo by Stan Jorsted, 1989. The picture shows a broad, smooth river curving from lower left to center right, then back to the left, rounding a spur of wooded land. The rock faces of a tall, rounded mountain peak is visible in the distance, reflected in the mirror-like surface of the water. Lower rocky peaks extend off to the right. The caption reads, Slow-moving water provides habitat for native cutthroat trout and bluehead suckers, food for river otters, ospreys, and bald eagles. The mural at the right end of this wall section is of desert bighorn sheep in Colorado National Monument, Colorado. Photo by Carol M. Highsmith, 2015. The picture shows two bighorn sheep in front of a red and black tinged rock face. The sheep on the right is a dark gray with horns that make a large semicircle curving back from its head. The sheep on the left is much lighter in color, almost white, with much shorter horns that have only a slight curve. The caption reads, Rising more than 2,000 feet, or 600 meters, above the valley, the semi-desert land supports pinyon pines, junipers, eagles, ravens, desert bighorn sheep, and coyotes. NPS Map and Video Station. Two minutes. On the wall at the far side of the entrance at this end of the gallery is a large map of the United States, showing the location of all the units of the National Park System. Insets on the map show the units in Alaska, Hawaii, Guam, American Samoa, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands. A slanted shelf under the map holds a video screen on its left end. A separate audio description station next to the monitor describes the five short videos available on the monitor. On the right end of that shelf, text reads, By the numbers, 411 units of the National Park System, 82 National Monuments, 78 National Historic Sites, 59 National Parks, 50 National Historical Parks, 30 National Memorials, 18 National Recreation Areas, 11 National Battlefields, 10 Wild and Scenic Rivers and Riverways, 10 National Seashores, 4 National Lakeshores, 59 other designations, related area designations, 24 affiliated areas, 48 national heritage areas, 30 national trail system units, 43 national wild and scenic rivers system units, 21 national park system units designated as world heritage sites, 23 international biosphere reserves involving 30 national park system units, over 200 National Historic Landmarks are in or overlap with nearly 130 National Park System units. 
Twenty-six national natural landmarks are in or overlap with 20 national park system units. Sixty-one designated wilderness areas are in 50 national park system units. Eighty-four million acres in national park system units. Twenty thousand permanent, temporary, and seasonal employees. Two hundred forty-six thousand volunteers in parks. Three hundred seven point two million visitors in 2015. Numbers current as of April 13, 2016. Welcome panel and credits. One and three quarter minutes. Just outside of the entrance at this end of the gallery are more panels on either side of the doorway. To the left, as you face the entrance, is a wall mural 13 feet wide and 8 feet tall. The image is titled Wonder Lake Reflections of Denali from Blueberry Hill, Denali National Park and Preserve, Alaska. Photo by Jacob W. Frank, NPS 2011. A long lake extends from the center of the picture to the lower right, surrounded by low green hills. In the background are snow-covered mountains, which are reflected in the perfectly still water. A large, double-peaked mountain rises at the right end of the range. A text panel at the right end of the photo reads, National Park Service, 100 years. Over 400 places preserved for enjoyment, from generation to generation. Find your park. A panel on the right side of the entrance lists the photographers. Otto Bachman, Jack Boucher, 1931-2012. to Dan Churay, Robert H. Clark, Jacob W. Frank, Gary Hartley, Carol M. Highsmith, Historic American Building Survey, National Park Service, Historic American Engineering Record, National Park Service, Peter Jones, Stan Jorstead, 1922-2013, Jet Lowe, Joy Marburger, Monica Para, Jim Pico, Susanna Pershorn, Brett Seymour, Christopher Somolovsky, Jamie N. Womble, Roy Wood, with special thanks to the National Park Foundation. To hear the audio description for the other half of the exhibit, proceed to the other station mounted at the far end of this wall. End of description.